It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, German football podcast on the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And joining me, as always, is Manu Vett. Manu, how have you been? Yeah, I'm pretty good, Bryce. How about you? Yeah, not too bad. How much longer have you got in Europe? I've got another week and a bit. Another week and a bit. Yeah, it's uh, it's good times. I'm enjoying it. I'm researching a big story on 1860 right now, so I'm having good fun. Oh, exciting. And how are 1860 getting on these days? Oh, it's a winter break. So, you know, the person, their table and... Uh, it's it's looking pretty good. Um, heading towards the relegation uh, promotion playoffs, rather, at the end of the season. But yeah, um, there will be more more coming for to to anyone who follows pretty much my Twitter account at the end of at the end of January, I believe. Well, we look forward to hearing more about that project. But joining Manu and I is Chris Williams. As always, Chris, how has your week been? It's been very well, Bryce. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. So we've we've actually got no football games to talk about, have we? Still in the winter break, but but there's plenty plenty of other news going on, isn't there, Chris? Oh, there is. Well, there's, it's transfer silly season, isn't it? So mm. um, I think we'll get to. There's always um, one saga, isn't there? There's always one transfer saga every single window, um, and I think we'll get to this window's transfer saga. Um, pretty much soon, but there's movement already like there is in Germany. They're, they're not slow about it. They don't like to wait till the end of the window. I think we spoke this time last year, didn't we, about how uh, German head coaches like to get their um, squads together early. So anybody that was, is going to go in or um, or move out, sorry, anyone that's going to come in or move out, it happens round about now because I'm sure listeners will know that um, Dortmund have already gone to their training camp um, Biner on the way to theirs. So uh, there's, there's teams from Germany currently uh, residing in the south of Spain and uh, going more further or fun places to, to do some winter training um, where the weather's a lot better. So coaches like to have their squads ratified by this time of year. So that's why we tend to see quite a lot of movements in the first week of January and not too many towards the end. No, exactly that. So we're going to have plenty to talk about today, aren't we? So um, I suppose we may get to it. Oh, where to start? Uh, let's start with Cologne. Uh, Cologne have obviously had a, a bit of a torrid time uh, the first half of the season, haven't they? Sitting at rock bottom of the Bundesliga, and things do not look good for them in the slightest. It'll be somewhat of a miracle if they're able to uh, pull things around. One of the main problems was goals. Only 10 goals uh, so far in the season, which is the lowest in the league. So how do you address that? Well, you bring in a striker, and they've done just that in Simon Terode. He's come in and, well, they're going to be expecting uh, quite a bit from him, aren't they, Manu? Or are they are they looking at well, getting ready for uh, next season? I mean, he's, he's come from Stuttgart and he, well, he was somewhat of a goal machine for them last year, but maybe maybe he's a Bundesliga 2 player, is he? Yeah, he's got that reputation. You know, some players are like that. I'm trying to, trying to think if there's an English Premier League equivalent for some of our English listeners, but, you know, Simon Terod is certainly is that kind of forward he he guarantees you tons of goals in the second division and um you know has consistently scored in the second division and unfortunately for him every time he's trying to make that jump to the top flight it's just not quite happening for him you know he's he's tried it at Köln actually before um didn't work out so well for him and um you know was a steady 
steady Bundesliga two player after that. I mean, he scored 25 goals uh, for Bochum a few years ago in uh, 2015-16, and then he scored 25 goal, goals again for Stuttgart uh, last season in Bundesliga two. You know, and then this season there was only two um, in 15 games, which is which is not a lot. And sometimes you know the sometimes it's hard to make that transition from the bottom flight to the top flight. And of course, Stuttgart play a very different game in the first division now than they did last year in the second division, right? In the in the then more of a um, quick transition kind of team. And uh, last year they were more they were the more dominant team, so they needed a break up front. And Simon Teruda is that kind of player. So I almost wonder if Köln, you know, looking forward into the next year, um, are kind of getting ready for Bundesliga 2 football. I mean, Chris, we talked last week that there isn't very much of a chance for them to stay in. So it kind of makes sense for them to, to identify players now that could help them next year to get back to the Bundesliga. Yeah, most definitely. Because if you look at what Tarot has done so far, um, it's it's not been the best of season so far for him as he's got, um, what, three goals and two assists in 17 fixtures, including... Um, Bundesliga under Pokal so I don't think they've signed him expecting him to go out in the second half of the season and bang in you know 10-15 goals and drag them out so it's probably one eye to the future which I suppose if you think you're already relegated and, and you know, let's not beat around the bush you know Cologne are desperately in trouble um, and I think everybody now knows and it's probably dawned on them down in Cologne that it's going to take some sort of divine intervention miracle for them to escape that so I think it's really positive that they're planning now um, because it means they'll be able to get their squad together early and then push on from the summer onwards and, and not be left trying to um, scrape a squad together to fight in Bundesliga 2. They need to be um, ready as early as possible to get the best pre-season to go out and, and you know I'm sure they'll want to win the league and come straight back up, uh, maybe not spend more than one season out. So if they're starting to build for it already, I think that's commendable. Yeah, they, they don't think they're going to be done with this um, either, Bryce. There's, there's talk that they want to bring in a deep-lying midfielder and um, someone for the wing to, to feed Tirode, I guess. and We don't know. I don't really know who it could be, but I guess any kind of transfer, again, would be with an eye on who could help them next year. So prospective players, maybe, you know, the kind of players that um, are looking to, to, to get some Bundesliga action now but knowing that you know next year will be likely a Bundesliga 2 season for them I mean it's it, they're going to have to identify a few players because I don't think they're going to see a mass exodus they probably won't want many to leave but I think Hector will probably be leaving won't he that's, that's a given and you know Timo Horn's a brilliant goalkeeper I can't see him staying in Bundesliga 2 even though you know, he's a Cologne man through and through he's too good to, to go down so I'm sure they'll be a little bit short um, they may even do something like get rid of John Cordoba because I'm pretty sure that he could uh, get some money in and, and stay at a, a club, someone like Augsburg, again, perhaps, but you never know. Yeah, I heard that all Cologne players have contracts for Bundesliga 2 at l- less wage, less salary, uh, quite significant less salary. So Köln have been smart, uh, unlike in the past, this time around, they, they knew that something like this could happen, I guess. So every single player on the Cologne squad has a contract for Bundesliga 2 to, with a smaller salary so that they, they can adjust it. Um, but of course, you know, there will be offers for the likes of Hector, for Horn, and I, I'm pretty sure Köln will do the most to capitalize on those kind of players to, to bring in, to kind of rebuild a little bit like what Stuttgart did last year when they went down to Bundesliga 2. And if they do go down, Stefan Ruthenbeck, do you reckon he'll end up staying there, Manu? Yeah, I guess it all depends on how they see out the season. And, you know, if they if they continue to be terrible, like they have been, it'd be hard for him to stay. But let's say they give it a go and they win five, six, seven games and maybe more and, you know, get a decent amount of, decent amount of points the kind of points that you expect from a half season, they will say, well, you did a good job. You know, you, you were basically given a hopeless job, but you did the most out of it. Let's, let's go with you into Bundesliga 2. But if they, if they have a, a Rückrunde, like they had a Hinrunde, um, there's no way he's going to be able to stay. No, I don't think so. Um, 
yeah, well, I suppose that more or less sets it up for uh, for Cologne. Hopefully, they have a, a better second half to the season. But um, well, uh, they couldn't do much worse, really, could they? Then in the first half. But um, let's move past them. Let's move on to uh, more transfer news and speak about Freiburg. Uh, they've signed someone from Sandhurst, and that's uh, Lucas Holler. Um, Chris, I gotta go to you. Do, do you know much about Lucas Holler? I'm gonna be honest, and I know very little about this uh, youngster. Yeah, very little because he spends most of his time um, in or around the the lower leagues and the uh, and the second team side. So you need know, the likes of um, Mainz's B side or number two side. But uh, you know they're looking to bring players in. Of course, um, it's it's going to be a hard one for them because I'm I'm not really sure where this guy's going to fit in and you know if he's going to be able to make a big difference for them i'm i'm pretty sure that freiburg will be happy if they tread water and they finish mid table that'll be a, a great season for them you know it's just a shame that it's nowhere near the season it was um, for them like last season but you know they've they've taken a couple of players on loan it's not really worked out so you know possibly it's best that they bring in players who they know can perform well yeah, it's not a bad signing, Bryce. It's a it's a young striker from Bundesliga too. He's got seven goals this season already in sixteen games, so that's that's not a bad return. And they have been very good in the past finding. Um, I have I have to admit I don't know very much about him myself, but I I trust Christian Streich, our man of the year, our coach of the year, that he has once again found a gem in Bundesliga too. And that's what Freiburg are very good at, you know, identifying players in Bundesliga too and bringing him to the next level. And I, I'm pretty sure. They see something in him that um, you know could make him another really good signing for them. He has a goal every 185 minutes, Bryce. I mean, if he can replicate that for Freiburg in the, in the Bundesliga, I'm sure they'll be ec- ecstatic with that. Yeah, I was just about to say, it seems like he's got seven goals and assists so far for them in uh, Bundesliga 2. And if they could get anything near as good as what um, Schalke got in uh, Bergstaller, uh, this time last year, I'm sure they'd be delighted. Um, I mean, is, is that what they're kind of hoping for, Manu, do you believe? Yeah, something similar. I mean, Burgstaller's goal-scoring rate, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, it was 16 goals in 15 games, or was it 15 goals in 16 games? It was insane in Bundesliga. Too, it was so. a lot better than, than the return yeah. um, that Holler's got at the moment. But yeah. I, I think we all knew, everybody knew, didn't they, really, that he would make that step up. Yeah, and the thing is, too, Bookstaller was a bit more experienced, too, right? So um, we we're going to talk about another um, Schalke signing from Nuremberg later down the pod, and we can sort of point out some of the differences between the two. And I think this is the same for Lukas Höller. He's a very promising Bundesliga 2 striker, but he <laughs> he's not does not have the same kind of goal-scoring rate that Bookstaller had last year, and um, he doesn't have the same kind of experience yet. But that doesn't mean it's not a bad. That doesn't mean it's a bad signing. Uh, quite, quite the contrary. I'm pretty sure that Freiburg um, have unearthed another gem there. Yeah, they'll be certainly hoping for such success. But guys, let's move on because we've got plenty to cover today. Um, Chris, I'm going to go to you for this one. What's the latest deal with uh, Reese Oxford's? Uh, there seems to be. Almost a, a few games uh, going on here. Uh, I mean, there was claims, wasn't there, on certain outlets that uh, he was off to RB Leipzig. I mean, what, what exactly is going on here? Is he going to sign for Gladbach? Well, that was the first thing that broke, really. We we knew that um, Gladbach were interested in making the deal permanent, but it was the BBC who said that uh, West Ham would recall him in January and then he would move to Leipzig. Leipzig moved pretty swiftly to say that they'd had no um, contact with West Ham surrounding Reese Oxford, but I think it was the very next day uh, West Ham announced he would be going back. Um, obviously, West Ham are in a little bit of trouble in the Premier League, and they need all the help they can get to drag themselves into a safe position so they're not relegated next season. And uh, Reese Oxford's a fantastic talent, and he's well thought of at West Ham. So I think they wanted him to go away and develop in a league where that gives youth opportunity to develop. A, you know, everybody knows that's the Bundesliga. Um, I don't think they expected him to play as well as he did because the games he's featured in for Gladbach, he has played very well, uh, but especially for his age and for a young man that's trying to adapt to a new country and a new league. He settled very, very well. Now, obviously, David Moyes has seen that this is a big 
um, plus for him if he was to bring him back. Um, but Gladbach have said that they want to make the deal permanent. They've come out and said that officially, um, not through journalists or through uh, through back channels. They've actually come out and said you know they want to make the move permanent. So I don't really know what's going to happen with him. West Ham are in a tricky position because a lot of their fan base know that Reese Oxford is a good player. It's not just like he's a youth academy player who no one's ever heard of that just went out on loan. So, um, you know, we've seen that before, uh, youth players going out. Uh, they're, they're not really known. Maybe he's going to be a good player in the future, don't know much about him. But West Ham fans know a lot about Reese Oxford. So I think if they were to sell him, they might not be particularly happy. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. But it was interesting that the BBC went with the story of Leipzig. The BBC's a BBC. They're not going to go off on a whim. They would have had to have some sort of information. And I don't know the fact that he was recalled the day after they said that he would be recalled and Leipzig were interested. It's just something we'll have to keep an eye on. But he is a exceptional youth talent and I'm pretty sure Gladbach will miss him. Um, Personally, for him, he probably wanted to stay. Well, he was stay. He was very happy to make it permanent by all accounts, speaking to people in London um, and also looking at the media across Germany. He spoke to people in the past. He was happy to stay there. Um, it's just he's been called home by his parent club. So um, basically, the BBC heard a German club is interested in him and assumed it was Leipzig. Um, no, jokes aside, I, I think th this may have been leaked on purpose to, to uh, better West Ham's negotiations, right? Because West Ham need to, from what I heard, West Ham need to make a couple signings to survive in the Premier League. So they know that they have this bargaining chip in Reese Oxford. And the original price was 6.8 million euros, I believe, to bring him permanently to Gladbach. That has now gone up significantly. So my guess is that this was all a big negotiation plan by by. Uh, West Ham and then they leaked this and right away Gladbach up their offer so it worked and um, I, you know usually when the player really wants to stay at a certain club and says like I want to stay in Gladbach I want to develop at Gladbach I want to stay there permanently um, it really is up to getting the negotiations done right and I think what we're seeing right now is basically West Ham and Gladbach finding the, the right price that will make everyone happy um, I'm pretty confident Oxford will stay at Borussia Mönchengladbach simply because Borussia Mönchengladbach want him to stay and he wants to stay there. Um, yet it's football, nothing is ever certain, but that's just the general sense I get. Manu Mead just asked, what were the numbers that were floating around for, for Reese Oxford? I know he's highly rated, but were they large figures? Well, the, the, what was the, the Leipzig deal? Chris? That was, was the... 19. That was 19 million euros, which is a hell of a lot of money for a Bundesliga transfer. So um, Gladbach are now offering 11. And um, that seems to be around the number that West Ham want as well. So um, I guess we'll see. I think the 19 million were basically floated on, on, on the news, in the news, because of the original deal by Gladbach. So they offered six. Then all of a sudden, uh, Leipzig came in supposedly with 19 million, and then uh, you know the next offer by Gladbach was quite a lot more. So I think this is all this is all just back and forth between the two clubs right now. So so it, just to, to finalize on uh, Reese Oxford, um, how close is the deal to being done? Has, has it been finalized yet? Um, no, no, by any means. Gladbach are saying that they're negotiating. And this is, you know, as Chris pointed out, this is the official word. This is not through media, etc. I believe there was even a tweet sent out, right, Chris? Yeah, it was by the Gladbach's yeah. official um, English account um, said that they are uh, trying to make the move permanent. So there's, there's something in the background, but West Ham will try and get as much money as he can, as Manu said, because they need to bring signings in because they're pretty much in trouble. Yeah, so we'll go by that, Bryce. I will they talking. <laughs> let, let, let's see what happens we'll obviously cover it when he does get a uh, well if he does get a, uh, a finalized move right but um yeah let's leave him alone and move on to the next topic um as i said we've got plenty to go through we're going to talk about Mainz now they've just uh, signed a new striker someone that's used to german football as well but has been spending some time in china in uh, nigerian anthony yuja 
Uh, he spent some time at Cologne. Um, also, Werner Bremen. Um, he's been at Mainz before. Um, Manu, what, what type of player are they bringing in here? He's, I, I know that he's he's Nigerian. He's 27, but that, I don't know much else, if I'm honest. Yeah, he was he's pretty big in, in the Bundesliga a few years ago. And... Um, Playing for playing for Köln, uh, playing for Werder Bremen, and actually playing for for Mainz as well. But he had his, his big breakthrough at at uh, Bremen and Köln, and um, Bremen then sold him to China. You know that was at the beginning of the the big China craze um, a, a year ago, two years ago, almost a year and a half ago. And um, Werder Bremen got a lot of money for him. They got 11.5 million euros for him, and this was. You know, at a time when players like him could be enticed to go over there. And um, yeah, things didn't work out so well for him in China because his club, Liaoning FC, got uh, relegated. So that that left him open to, to leave China. And uh, he really wanted to return to the Bundesliga. Um, Mainz get a player that knows Mainz. So that, that this is this is one thing that's that's quite positive. You know, he knows the the club, he knows the he knows the Bundesliga quite well. Um, they get a player who, who knows how to score goals. Um, he was always a very fun player to watch, Bryce, when he was around last time. And um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about players going to China and digressing in their performances. But I mean, we have Paulinho. That's one of the big stories. He's gone to China, right? And he's now at Barca, and he's one of their best players. So. Going to China and coming back to Europe is not necessarily a bad thing, um, especially as it seems the players coming back to Europe uh, seem to appreciate European football a little more. So I think this is this is a hell of a good signing for them. I, I think th- we're going to have a lot of fun with them. And, and you know, if he develops well at at, at Mainz, same trajectory he had at Werder before he chose to go to China, uh, he might not stay forever at Mainz. He could be one of those players that have a similar impact than Anthony Modeste did. Manu, just talking about, he's obviously been to clubs before in Germany. He's been to Cologne, he's, he's been to Mainz, he's been to Werner Bremen. Um, do you think that Werner Bremen possibly should have made a move like this? I mean, it, looking at the table, looking at the stats, a little bit like Cologne, they've really struggled for goals. Uh, they've only managed 13 in 17 games. Is this something that would have made sense maybe for them to go back in for as well? Someone that's familiar with the club? Yes. I, I mean, Bremen are looking to bring in a striker. Uh, apparently, so you know this could have been an option for them, but um, Mainz had the money, and I guess Mainz ha- Mainz have the system that fits them well too. I think Bremen were actually uh, one of the clubs interested in bringing him in, Bryce. So um, you know that, that's a good point. I think there would have been several clubs uh, interested in bringing him in, but maybe because the the exit his exit from Werder to to China wasn't the cleanest. Um, similar story than we saw with Modeste going to China. Transfers to China has always seemed a little messy. Um, so I guess that was maybe the big no uh, in the end and why he went to uh, Mainz instead. Mainz getting a, a good player, Bryce. He's, he was consistent his last two seasons in the Bundesliga. You know, he played 32 games for Cologne and then the same for Werder Bremen. And he got 10 and 11 goals over, that se- over those two seasons respe- respectively. So you know, his stats when he played for Cologne are, are pretty good. 102 um, games, 36 goals, 10 assists. I'm pretty sure that Mainz will be very happy if he can replicate the sort of form he showed between seasons 14, 15 and 15, 16. So um, it will be a, a good signing for them and um, maybe Cologne will, will look at maybe it's one that's gone missing. Yeah, and it's actually, you know, he was good at Bremen too. 11 goals, 5 assists. What stands out is he's not a pure goal scorer, right? He also sees um, the players around him. So, you know, I think all around, Mainz are getting a very good player. One gift that never gets returned? Trick question. It's three gifts, beer, wine, and spirits. And with Drizzly, you can send the gift of drinks right to your loved one's doors. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and holiday spirits, then get them delivered right to that lucky someone's door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code JINGLE at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. 
Yes, indeed. And it could be all the difference when it comes to that relegation battle as Mainz are sitting down in 15th. We'll just have to see how that one plays out. But it sounds like they've got an exciting player. Manu, may I just ask that, how much have they paid for you, Jan? Uh, I heard 3.8 million euros, which is pretty decent <laughs> today's market. That, that could be a steal. If that keeps them steal. up, you know, drags them up the table a little bit, that, that could be money well spent, actually. And he's only 27, you know, so there's a lot of time. There's a, still a lot of football left in him, too. So, um, yeah, I think he's a steal. Um, you know, another club that was actually interested in bringing him, Bryce, was uh, Hoffenheim after they lost Sandro Wagner. Um, he was, they were interested in bringing him as well. So, you know, there, there was a lot of clubs looking at bringing him back. So, you know, he's still a player that has a very good reputation in Germany. Yeah, he seems to be quite a popular player. Um, yeah, I look forward to, um, well, us seeing how he gets on. But, uh, guys, let, let's move to Stuttgart next. We spoke about this one uh, briefly before, didn't we, about Mario Gomez. But um, let, let's talk about it a little further. Um, Stuttgart, we said that they have had a pretty good season. Uh, you know, newly promoted. Um, went a little bit off the ball towards the uh, end there uh, without getting a win in their last five. But um, how do we feel that uh, this move is going to be, Chris? I mean, Mario Gomez, he's he's been around. He, he knows where the back of the net is. Um, do you see this as a, a good move for Stuttgart? Yeah, I do. I mean, there's really little you can say on Mario Gomez that isn't... Um... You know, exceptional. Look what he's done. He's Champions League winner with Bayern. He's won two Pokals. Uh, he's won the um, Bundesliga three times, one of them with Stuttgart way back in 2007. Uh, but key for this move is he's been a top scorer in five uh, different areas. So it doesn't matter what league he played in. He's with Besiktas, who's a top scorer. Then Fiorentina, who's a top scorer at the Euros a few Euros back. Bayern, and he's been Stuttgart's top scorer. So this is a really, really good move for them. Uh, I think we spoke last time, didn't we, on the last pod, that... I was in Stuttgart for the last game when they played Bayern and what they were missing that day was someone who could put the ball in the back of the net and they, they could have won two, maybe three, one. Um, so it's, it's a really good move for them. And I think he's the sort of player that will go and he'll galvanize everybody in the dressing room. He'll galvanize everybody in the stands and it'll give the club a real lift. Not that it needs one particularly, but he will give them a, a lift and, and to push on and, and move higher up the table and maybe achieve a, as high as they can possibly go. And I think it's a really, really good move for him. And he's 32 now. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is his, um, final, uh, move as a player. And, you know, I don't think there's any, um, there's any move you can make better than going back to the club where you know you started as an under-17 player. This is a really good move for Stuttgart. And it's possibly the move of the winter transfer window, I think. You know, it's the biggest name move. Not the biggest move in terms of uh, money spent. Stuttgart only paid 3 million euros for him, which I think is actually it's a steal. But um, in terms of in terms of marketing potential, the terms of how good of a player he is, this is a massive transfer for Stuttgart because, you know, Mario Gomez is, in Germany, he's one of those sunny boys. You know, he's someone who's in a lot of TV commercials. He's someone who's ever-present. He is a, a striker, when on form, guarantees you goals. I, I know this season wasn't good by him, but I think he was hurt quite a lot. Um, he, he only scored one goal in 12 games, but he was he kept Wolfsburg in the league last year. Um, something that you have to remember, right? And, I think he just needed he just needed to go home. That's that's something he said quite often um, in many statements. He needed to go home. And um, another thing that he said, this doesn't speak well for, for Wolfsburg, Chris. And I you know you've been to Wolfsburg. You've been at the relegation game there. He said, um, no matter how what no matter how he played, someone always would compliment him every game. You know, even if he had a poor game, someone would compliment his performance. Um, that doesn't really speak for very much for Wolfsburg, does it? I think it might speak for um, Gomez's standing, and maybe they not didn't want to upset him because he's not that type of player who would, you know, he's not going to um, take to social media if he doesn't get a birthday cake. He's not um, Yaya Torre, is he? <laughs> I think he's going to get mad like that. But maybe sometimes you just need to hear it if you're having a bad game. But then yeah. again, Wolfsburg 
you know, who's going to criticize Mario Gomez? Because it is Mario Gomez. He's been there. He's seen it. He's done it. He's done it at German level. As I said, he's done it in Italy, Turkey. He's done it in the Euros. You know, he's been there and seen it and done it. So maybe they were a little afraid of, of upsetting him, but. I don't know, maybe if you strike in a rut, sometimes you need someone to put your arm around you and, and either give you a lift or give you a telling off and maybe you didn't feel like you'd get that. But I'm with you, Manny. This is a, an absolutely brilliant move for him and the club and the whole city, really. And the league. I actually think this is a brilliant move for the league because um, no offense to, to Wolfsburg, but Wolfsburg is the sort of club that you kind of forget sometimes unless they do something really extraordinary. But Stuttgart is such a, it's such a big club. You know, people forget that. And we both have been to their stadium recently, right, Chris? And it's, it's, it's a huge stadium. It's, it's a fantastic crowd. It's, it's a Stuttgart are a sleeping giant. You know, if there is a sleeping giant in German football, um, it's them and possibly Hamburg and Berlin, but they are a sleeping giant that, you know, is currently being kissed awake. And uh, I think for them to, to reach their full potential, they have to stay in the league this year and, and bring in players like Mario Gomez, players that, can sort of get that entire get get the team uplifted, but also get the city uplifted and um, get everyone going and get everyone excited about this project. And he will do exactly that. So I think it's actually a move that's not just good for the city, the club, but it could be good for the entire Bundesliga. Manu, is, is this a move that he would possibly be making, looking to you know, get involved at one final World Cup? Well, that's what he's saying. That he's actually done the move to to get to the World Cup. Um, he'd be guaranteed playing time in Stuttgart. And uh, I think that Stuttgart's system suits him quite well. Um, he's a big lad, but people forget that when he was at his best, he actually played counter football uh, because he's quite fast. You know, he's, he's someone who, who likes to break the lines. He likes to play between the lines. And um, people keep forgetting that because they see this, this really big guy, right? Um, a meter 90 tall but he's actually also really fast and he, he kind of needs to play for clubs to sit a little bit deeper and um, can sort of break through the lines and also receive higher balls that he then can convert. So I think for him, this will actually be a move that will help him because it will give him a lot of playing time in a system that he likes. And, you know, someone like Reschke, the sporting director, or Hannes Wolf, the coach, they, they'll bring in a player like that knowing what kind of football they want to play. So I'm pretty sure that they will design the way Stuttgart are going to play in the Rückrunde with Mario Gomez in mind. I suppose as well, looking at it from you know a, a German um, international uh, point of view, uh, we've all said that Timo Werner, he's got to lead the line, hasn't he, uh, going into the World Cup. But does he offer them a good um, second option up front as well. He's a bit of a different player. I know you said he's quick, but no one's quite as quick as uh, Timo Werner, it seems. Um, does this option uh, you know, almost come out as a, a plan B for Germany in the World Cup? Well, uh, we now have a plan. You know, at Euro 2016, we only had Mario Gomez, and he was good at the European Championships, but the problem was when he got hurt, there was no plan B. Um, now we don't have that problem because plan we have plan A, Timo Werner, um, we have plan B, probably Mario Gomez, and we have plan C, Sandro Wagner. You know, and we're going to talk about Sandro Wagner in a moment, but you know, th there is a lot more options up front than there were at Euro 2016. You remember that game against France, Germany lost because they, they couldn't find a way through. They couldn't break between the lines. They couldn't break through France's defense. And then, you know, a silly mistake by Schweinsteiger lost them the game. And I think now they have a lot more options up front. and. It, there's probably a couple more options that we don't even see yet because you know you're usually in the rückrunde one or two players will break through and become an option for for Joachim Löw. But you know um, I reckon that the three strikers that are going to go to the World Cup are going to be Sandro Wagner, Mario Gomez, and Timo Werner. That's not a bad lineup, is it? Not bad at all. Okay, um, guys, I think we've covered Stuttgart, so we move on to Schalke. Uh, Schalke have been busy. Uh, they've signed a new striker, and they like to poach some from Nuremberg, it seems. Uh, the latest one is 20-year-old striker Cedric Tuchart. Uh Chris, uh, what type of player are Schalke getting here? And you know, it, it, is it comparable to uh, Bergstaller, which we mentioned earlier? That's the easy comparison, isn't it? So um, I'm going to say yes, because that's that's the easiest, and we can move on. No money joking. It's he's. <laughs> <laughs> a similar sort of vein, isn't he? I mean, he's Nuremberg born and bred. Uh, he's had a particularly 
okay season. He's not got the same sort of stats that Bergstaller had last season, but I think we were all in agreement that Bergstaller had a standout season. Uh, so far, 17 games, 15 in the second Bundesliga with two Pokal games, and he's got six goals and two assists, which is an average 119 minutes per goal, which, again, is, is pretty good. But can he take this level up a gear? It's a completely different league. I know we often say that the two leagues are very tightly matched, but there is a, there is a difference when you step up up to the uh, to the senior league from Bundesliga two. So I'm not sure if he'll hit the ground as fast as Bergstaller did, but uh, I don't think he's going to be hitting the ground the same way that Bergstaller did. So uh, you know he's a very young lad, really, isn't he? He's still only 20 years of age, so he's probably four, five, maybe even six years off his prime. So. Um, Schalke probably bought for the future I would hazard a guess on here um, and maybe they're looking at uh, potentially dripping him in next season and being ready for the season after which shows some long term planning for Schalke which I think they've been missing in previous seasons um, I think that didn't help them when they fell out of the Champions League and that's obviously something they want to get back into so planning for the future now is is a very good thing to do um, he's a German under 21 international so they're getting a good pedigree of player um, I think he he could be fed in slowly. I think he could do a good job. He may get a few substitute appearances, I think, the, the back off this season coming, and then we'll see where we are again. But, uh, you know, they've only paid, well, it's just a million euros for him, isn't it? So he's not going to break the banks. So this is definitely one for the future. But his stats suggest that he could potentially be good. I mean, when I've seen him play for Nuremberg, he has looked good, but... I, yeah, I don't think he's going to make the same sort of impact that Bergstaller did, but then I don't think he's been bought for that reason. Yeah, Chris is right. This is a project, Bryce, but it's an exciting project. I think, I think Schalke are fully aware that, um, this young lad, he's only 20, can, will not break into the, into the side right away and he's going to get plenty of time. But I think, um, what speaks for him, is that Domenico Tedesco really, really wanted him, really wanted to sign him, wanted to sign him now because they could have had him on a free transfer in the summer. So, you know, spending that kind of money, yes, a million euros isn't a lot, um, especially when you consider the, the development potential, but um, they could have also had him for free, right? So they, they wanted to bring him now, and I guess, my guess is that they wanted to bring him now so that he could get used to playing for the club slowly because next year I, we all reckon they will be back in the Europa League Champions League like the Champions League I would say um, where they will have a lot more football so they can kind of ease them in right Chris and then uh, having that that those 17 games till next summer is almost like a luxury isn't it oh yeah most definitely and they can pick and choose now when they they want to drip feed him in so if they're having a particularly good game and they're maybe two or three up they can they bring him in or if he doesn't feature at all what he is going to get is a benefit of sitting on the bench and, and being around um professionals that have played at a higher level and in a higher more higher intensity stadium so to speak you know that Bundesliga two stadiums are exceptionally intense um so it, it's going to be in that area and don't forget they're going to be planning for going back into Europe next season so uh, we could see him play more games in the Bundesliga next season if um, Schalke are in the Champions League because they need a deeper squad we all saw what happened to RB Leipzig this season because their squad's just a little bit shy on depth um, so this is probably why Tedesco wanted him quickly because he's probably been keeping an eye on the likes of um, Leipzig and, and maybe even Hoffenheim who didn't even get past the qualifier so this is a very very good sign for Schalke I think we've spent, um, said it over the last couple of podcasts that get the feeling um, after we uh, dissed Tedesco and said he wouldn't last five matches we get the feeling now that he's starting really building something credible at Schalke and you know dare I say it if Dortmund don't keep um, trying to push on and catch up there could be a shift in the power balance um, in that area soon oh we're never going to eat those words right <laughs> <laughs> no, Tedesco is doing a fantastic job at Schalke, they're, they're building something special. And um, I think we have to also laud what Heidel is doing. I think he's finally gotten used to the, the culture there a little bit. Um, he had a year that that wasn't great um, last year, of course. And he fired Weinzierl, he brought in Tedesco, um, knowing that this move will be criticized, including by us. Uh, I think that was probably the thing he worried the most about, that we would criticize him, and we did. But he's proven us wrong, also that's pretty good. Um, but he's building something there that's very exciting. 
and I think you know they're making a lot of in interesting moves, and I'm pretty sure they're they're not going to be done because you know um, they they still lack a little bit of depth in, in some areas. Like I think they should still bring in a left back. There's there's talk that maybe Baba from Schalke uh, from Chelsea could come back. Uh, I think that would be a good signing from them, and they want to bring in another attacking player. So. Yeah, exciting stuff happening. Although the attacking player might be the guy, the next guy that we're going to talk about. Yeah, well, that's it. The, the move forward with a loan move, haven't they? All the way from uh, Turin, Juventus. And that's Marco Piazza. Uh, obviously, um, an exciting young player, one that signed from uh, Zagreb um, only over a year ago. A uh, bit of a winger. Um, I mean... I'm sorry, I don't really follow uh, Sarri, yeah, more a Bundesliga man myself, as you may have guessed. But um, what what type of player are they getting, Manu, and so how exciting is this? Yeah, we follow Croatia quite a bit on the Football Grad Network, and this is with footballgrad.com. So we actually had him featured in an article a year ago where we had the five most exciting prospects in the round of 16 of the UEFA Champions League. We're probably going to do something similar when Champions League comes closer again um, from Eastern Europe. And he was one of the players on that list um, because he played an excellent Euro. And um, he was one of those prospects that everyone in Europe was after. I think um, a bunch of English Premier League clubs were after him as well. And then, you know, he ruptured his ACL in March and he's just come back from injury. So, you know, Juventus are being really challenged for the title in Italy this year. They're only second, and uh, Napoli looks like they're running away with it. And then, they, of course, they, they, they're straight in the Champions League only a month from now. So they, they don't have time to feed them back into getting playing time. And Schalke, on the other hand, they need someone right now who's ready, you know, who has proven his quality and can step in right away and sort of help them cement that Champions League spot, get that extra cash so that they can sign players like Piazza on a full-time basis next summer, right? But they need someone right now to get them there. And uh, they need also someone to help, someone like Teuchert and some of the other young players to sort of grow into their position. And they're getting exactly that. You know, they're getting more depth up front and they're getting proven depth up front, and which is, I think, going to be a big plus for them going forward. Because, you know, Chris, we sort of said that Schalke, the project is really interesting and things that are happening are good, but they don't have that um, technical level that sites like Borussia Dortmund have right now. Yeah, and, and this is, I don't know if it is a risk really, because as you said, he suffered an ACL injury, but you know, both um, Heidel and Tedesco have spoken. Um, Heidel said he, you know, he's ready now. Uh, he's even hinted that he could stay possible than just a six months, but nothing's fixed in the contracts. But Tedesco has also spoken and said he's made a good recovery from his ACL injury and that he thinks he can help them straight away. So they must be happy that his recovery is, is is pretty much done, really, and they can uh, take him out to their mid midwinter training camp and get him ready for the Bundesliga second half kickoff in a couple of weeks. But he's certainly a player that will have a lot more experience uh, from being around the European circuit, and I think this is what Schalke are trying to build towards. Which why Manu is quite right in saying it is an exciting project because he seems to be just pulling in some youth, but also youth with experience. And if you're trying to build for four or five years not just an overnight project, if you're trying to build for a couple of seasons um, at a time, then this is the sort of signing you want to be making. Yeah, most certainly, and I, I look forward to seeing a bit more of them, just like a few of the signings uh, that we've mentioned today. But, uh, well, Manu, what, what does this mean for Ukrainian, um, the Ukrainian winger there, Konik Planka? I mean, he's he was taught to have, like, well, to be a bit of a shining light there. He was, he was exciting. A lot of uh, teams were um, were vying for him, but it hasn't really worked out, and he's not getting a great deal of playing time this season as well. I know especially because I put him in my fantasy football team at the start of the season, and that that was a wrong move. Yeah, I know Kono Blanca. Um, I think he was actually really good this year, Bryce. I, I I think this was his first good year since leaving Ukraine. You know, where we, where we on the football grad network followed him quite closely, where he played with Dnipro. And then he, he was, I think he was linked with Liverpool and a bunch of other clubs. He ended up going to Sevilla and that didn't really work out for him. And then last year, uh, at Schalke was a disaster for him. Um, and then he went on Ukrainian television and fired Weinziel. And then uh, everything turned out well for him. And then there was this rumor that Shakhtar Donetsk would uh, take him and 
take him back to, to Ukraine. Um, reason for that is he can play Champions League football there. I don't see much in this rumor, to be honest, Bryce. I, I, Schalke have already firmly denied it. Um, but I think that, you know, Kono Blanca made that move abroad to play in a top league. And I, I just can't see him going back to Shakhtar Donetsk unless they come out and offer really crazy money. Remember in Ukraine, um, taxes are very low for players. Um, they're almost non-existent actually. So, you know, he can make a bit more money, but personally, I don't think this move back to Ukraine is going to happen. But do you see him getting back to the form that he may have had, you know, at Sevilla, like 2015, 2016? I mean, you know, he, he, he was pretty good with goals and assists, you know, for them, you know, on the wing. But Schalke, it's been a bit of a, a tricky period for him. I actually thought that he, would, he had a pretty decent um, hinrunde, Bryce. I mean, yes, one goal and four assists isn't, he's not shooting out the lights, but, you know, he's always contributing. He's, he had several good games. He's, he's, he's more, a lot more, you know, a lot more active on the field. So, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sell him right now, um, to be honest. And I think that he, he's just starting to develop into a player. Again, that we've seen at Nepal, and another move would sort of jeopardize that. Yeah, I, I would imagine as well that Schalke would probably want to hold on to him at least to the end of the season. You know, and then make uh, bigger moves. But um, let's see what happens in the uh, next few weeks. Um, guys, I suppose we're going to have to talk about uh, Bayern as well. They've been fairly active. Um, let's talk about, well, we've got two big uh, moves to talk about. But let's speak about Sandro Wagner first. Um, Chris, we spoke about it a little bit before. But they, this is going to be a good move for him uh, going forwards. But also... For Bayern, I mean, all they had was Lewandowski, who we know is is, is ever present um, and scoring plenty. You know, it's it's hard to avoid you know, a week where he doesn't score. Uh, but Sandro Wagner is going to give them another option up there and lighten a load uh, for them. Of course he is, because Lewandowski might be ever present, but he's also ever aging. So um, he needs help, doesn't he? He said it himself. He can't be uh, relied upon to play week in, week out, midweek in the Champions League. Um, also, you know, to be then carry the side um, goal wise, he, he will need a rest. He's got to rest and recuperate at times. So, so yeah, if you look at um, the options that Bayern had for centre forwards, it was Lewandowski or um, Muller, um, or you know, Robin can play there, I suppose, if he really had to. But now Wagner's in, it gives them that extra ability to chop and change when needed. So, I'm pretty sure he's not going to outstart. Lewandowski because of just how many goals Lewandowski scores so what he does offer is uh, someone to come on um, potentially if they're up or if they need a plan B uh, they've also got contingency for the Champions League now so they can Mitch max it up and if Sandra Wagner starts in a Champions League and Lewandowski doesn't I don't think that's a weaker Bayern at all I think it's um, I think it's, a, it's still a strong Bayern especially with the players who they can play behind him so um, it's a good move for him uh, it's a good move for the club, especially for Bayern Munich. Um, I'm pretty sure it's not the best of things for Hoffenheim, but I'm sure they'll deal with it as they normally do when they lose a player. But I'm more concerned for him with the World Cup coming up. He's got to get enough games, but you know I'm pretty sure he won't have moved there um, if he'd been told, look, you're going to be second fiddle and you're going to spend most of the second half of the season on the bench. So he must have had assurances from the Bayern hierarchy that he's going to get his first share of games. We'll just see... If that happens, um, you know, if um, if Bayern go out early in the Champions League knockout stages, that'll have a knock-on effect. Um, but yeah, it's going to be an exciting time for him. I think he's going to be more key for next season. I think that this why again they've bought him with a with an eye on next season as well as maybe the second half of this season. But uh, it's going to be a good signing for him. And if he can capture that form, Bryce, that we saw. Um, uh, Hoffenheim, especially early on last season, I think you know, they've got themselves a very good player for not just now, but for next couple of seasons as well. You know, and uh, Joachim Löw actually backed this move. Apparently, Sandro Wagner spoke to Joachim Löw and um, asked him whether what would be best for his future. And uh, Joachim Löw actually told him that going to Bayern, uh, he doesn't see it as him being jeopardized, um, his future being jeopardized in the national team. Because of that, so he's got the blessing from the Bundestrainer. What could possibly go wrong? Actually, I know one thing. 
I have one thing that could go wrong. Can someone just tell him to get a different jersey number? Yeah, yeah two's an odd number for a striker, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, that's just the worst. Why is this Tom about? I mean, there was plenty of jokes that he is going to be second choice and he is number two, but uh, I'm pretty sure that wasn't the intent. Why, why does he end up with shirt number two? Was it his decision, the club's? It was his decision because number 14 was taken and then there was it was his second try at Bayern, so he decided he would go with the number two because of that. Sandro, do everyone a favor and take get a different number for next season because this is no good. That's that's just a terrible reason as well. Yeah, it's a horrible reason. But no. <laughs> oh, well, well, I hope that he gets more than two goals. Eh? Um, I'm sure he will. Uh, but guys, a, a big topic uh, at the moment is Leon Goretzka and where he's going to end up. Um, I I feel like we probably have to go to Manu on this so that he can uh, upset some Liverpool fans. You seem to be good at that in the past, uh, but but you pod with two Liverpool fans, so um, um, it seems like um, well things are pointing that he's going to sign for Bayern. It doesn't seem to be like a very well kept secret at the moment, even though it has not been made official just yet. Uh, so Manu, is this the case? Is he going to Bayern? Um, will he uh, turn down Liverpool, or will Liverpool not even an option? Well, it seems like everyone knew about Leon Goretzka going to Bayern, except for Jurgen Klopp and Christian Heidel. Um, <laughs> because it seems like they're the only two that are not on board. Um, every single serious German media outlet in Germany is more or less reporting this, this deal is done and wrapped up. I mean, the kicker today ran a story um, saying, what was it called? The ways Bayern could announce the signing next in the coming days. I mean, this is this is uh, serious stuff. Kicker only report things when they're done. Now, Chris will probably be able to talk a little bit more. We want to keep the Liverpool part a little bit smaller, right? Because we talk mainly about the Bundesliga here. But um, from what I understand, Goretzka has also been talking a bit to Liverpool, um, and there there was a chance that Liverpool could have signed him, but. Um, from what I understand is that this deal with with uh, Bayern was was already more or less agreed upon, although that's technically not allowed last summer. And then uh, Goretzka only wanted Bayern for the last few months, and then sort of started wavering around Christmas time, mid Decemberish, started wavering. Looked at other options. Barca was a very was a very good option as well. He used in talks with Barca, apparently Barca seemed very confident at some point that they could get him. And then Bayern dropped this bomb. And I say Bayern because from what I've heard is that Bayern have leaked to the press that the deal was done. And this was done on December 31st. So, you know, the first Christmas rocket was lit up um, just outside the Sebener Straße at 6 p.m., a little early. But, you know, it, ha it had a big effect and the, the, the internet went wild. And, um, you know, that's, that's basically where we stand, is that Bayern are very sure that they got their man. They publicly, they're not saying that they have, but, you know, they're pretty sure they got their man. But, you know, um, the problem with this is that, of course, we have our connections elsewhere as well, right, Chris? And we know from other sources that, has, that there has been some other things going on as well. Yeah, so um, I think this is a case where a, a player says something in passing. And I, don't, I don't think it is any secret that they were talking back all the way in September where they, um, Goretzka and Bayern, um, and there was supposedly a deal in place. Now, as you quite rightly say, you can't have a deal in place because you can only do that when there's six months in contract um, left, which is now January. So he's free to talk to every once. But for all intents and purposes, um, it hit the press last September. Uh, I think it may even been about August time that he was potentially thinking about it, but it went big in September, said he would announced a deal you know around about this time this year and that looked to be it but then um, I believe he had his head slightly turned I mean you can only go off uh, you know what you hear and who you speak to and, and you can't say for definite what's gone on but it looks as though um, he may have had uh, contact with other clubs um, Liverpool one of them as Manu said Barca are quite keen and Lionel Messi came out the other day didn't he and said that um, he gave his blessing to go out and sign um, Leon Goretzka which I think is probably the biggest Barcelona backing you can get but there's rumblings in the northwest that he'd 
potentially given his word to Jurgen Klopp. I don't know the truth behind that. Maybe only Jurgen Klopp and Leon Goretzka would know that. But I don't think there's any anything behind the rumours, Manu, that Bayern leaked this to maybe bring his head back in line to say, actually, pal, uh, you and us agreed a deal a while ago and you should remember that before you start giving your word to other other clubs. Yeah, I, that, that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> I mean, uh, we think that's what happened, to correct that. No, um, it's it's quite telling that, you know, when uh, when you talk to some people outside of, of Munich, uh, we, we thought that this deal... Uh, that he would be going somewhere else, um, and they heard all about that in in the second half of December. And then I I think Bayern more or less must have gotten wind of it and said like, look, we're just gonna put our cards on the table here and say how it is um, through the press, and um, that that caused a huge earthquake, um, not just you know in Germany. You know Heidel has now said on several occasions um, that he doesn't he doesn't know. Um, he still believes that there's a chance that uh, Goretzka could sign a new deal. Um, but, you know, Bayern is so adamant that they got their man. But Chris, there is a precedent for this because I remember in 2002, Sebastian Kiel had more or less done the same thing. He had a deal, had a deal with Bayern in place and everything was more or less done. And then in the last moment, he signed for, for Borussia Dortmund and uh, left Bayern in the dust. So, you know, everything is always possible in football. But I think I think this is just this is just how I see it. There is there is a club, there's a few clubs in world football that, as an agent and as a player, you don't want to have on the wrong side, and Bayern are one of them because they're so influential, right? So you you know once you have made an agreement with them, it's very hard to step away from that. I think what it does add is it adds fuel to the fire that something definitely did go on because I don't see any reason for Bayern to allegedly leak a story to say they'd signed him unless they felt threatened by it. So mm. um, I think there is, uh, there's, obviously there's no smoke without fire. And I think this is that in this case that they were obviously a little bit paranoid that he had spoken to Liverpool as well as Barcelona and maybe he was getting his head turned. But yeah, you're quite right. You don't know what's going to happen until it's signed. Uh, you know, football players... We all like to love them, don't they? But in the end of the day, they're quite mercenary. And we see that all the time from players moving from one club to another, direct rivals. And this happens all over Europe. Um, money talks, although if he does go to Bayern, I don't think this would be about money. There's all sorts of crazy rumours floating in the northwest of England about signing on fees that Liverpool have offered, which is unbelievable sums of money. Um, so if he doesn't go to Liverpool, he's certainly not going to Bayern for money. Um, maybe he's going for his future. Bayern will be straight into his ear saying that. I think we spoke about this the other day, Manu. I said that I wouldn't be surprised if they said to him, you know, German captains come and play at Bayern and you just have to look at who's in Bayern's squad and where would he, where would he start? See, naturally he's a central midfielder. So who have we got? Thiago's out injured, although this is a long term deal, but he would be pretty good to start straight away. Um, Vidal looks like he could be going out. So the only dedicated central midfielder they have after that is Tolisso. Obviously, Ruddy can play there as can Martinez. But the thing with Leon Goretzka is he offers that, um, that ability to switch it around and change a bit. He can play on the right side of the midfield or he can even play on the right wing. So then again, you're looking at, oh, who can play there? Oh, well, um, Coleman can play there. Um, he can play attacking midfielder. Ribery, obviously getting older all the time. Um, Robin can play on the right wing, getting older again. So I could see that Bayern would be in his ear to say, if you come here, we may be heavy on players at the moment in these positions, but give or take two leaving one looks like he's definitely going to be sold. So, you know, if I was Sandro Wagner, I'd be knocking on the door for shirt number 23. That's quite a nice number to have for next season. Uh, I think that it would make sense for Bayern to try and capture their man because he fills a lot of holes for them. And, and then we all saw how well he can play in the Confederation Cup. Manu, you were there. You saw it mm. with your own eyes in front of you, not via the television. So you'll have seen a lot more than you see in the ground, off the ball runs, movement, positioning. If you're just watching on the television, this is why I like going in the press box so much because you get to see everything with your own eyes. You're not... You're not um, transcribed to by the cameraman. So it's, it's it's with your own eyes you see it. And uh, 
Goretzka's an excellent player when when looking at him outside of the camera um, and what he does and what he offers in his movement and support he gives behind and you know the fact that he can play on the right or go slightly forward or play central you know, he's that good a player I wouldn't be surprised if they could drop him deep look at what Tedesco's done with Max Meyer he's dropped him down and made him an excellent defensive midfielder I'm not saying he'd do that at Bayern Barcelona Liverpool but he may have the ability to play in more than the three positions that we know now so I think that's why Bayern are so keen to tie him up. And also, you know, he's, um, he's German. He's a German national side player and Bayern Munich are the standout German side. They're the main um, flag carrier for the league. So I can see why Bayern would be very, very keen to, um, to get him. But also I can see why Jurgen Klopp would be keen to pair him up with Naby Keita because that would be an excellent midfield again, which would strike fear not just into the Premier League, but also into, into the Champions League or the Europa League or wherever Liverpool end up. So it's, it's an interesting one. And I think there's, there's some, um, some words being given out to people and then other words being given out to other people. And it's a bit of a messy situation, which I think, Manu, is why we're seeing it played out so publicly. Yeah, I, I think that, that nails it down pretty much. Maybe just on the playing aspect to, to round this up, Chris, I think if Bayern goes, goes and get Goretzka, which I personally think is very, very likely, um, they will get a player that they hadn't had since Stefan Effenberg. Maybe Michael Ballack was same kind of similar kind of player, but you know that dominant midfield presence that wins them the Champions League. They will get that in Leon Goretzka, and I think they will go all out to get their man. And I, I could even see with everything that's just gone on, you know, with Liverpool to sign on fee, I could even see them going to picking up the phone. Hoon is personally picking up the phone and phoning Neubauer, Goretzka's agent, and says, "What has what has Liverpool offered?" We'll double it. Uh, they'll, he'll do it. He'll get his man because they need him. They need him to secure the future. And they need him to become that force that they wanted to be for such a long time. And I think, you know, when you have someone like Dupankis who now looks to stay on for maybe another season, speak so highly of a player, then, you know, it's definitely something is in the bush. And I, I, I can see Hernes now putting everything in, in motion to make sure that the agreement that was given in the summer will now be on that. And as you said, Manu, um, before we started recording, Bayern are being very, very clever, like um, Jupp Heikner saying, I'm sure he knows what's good for him. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like the godfather, isn't it? <laughs> but Manu, just before we wrap it up, may I ask, though, what is Jupp Heikner's um, reputation uh, like uh, uh, previous record, I, I suppose would have been the right way to describe it, with uh, youngsters like this? Excellent. Absolutely excellent, Bryce. He's he's very good. Uh, more as a mentor, not as a coach. A lot of the coaching is done by Hermann and Hermann Gellert. Um, they're sort of the, the, the training brains behind it. Heinkes is a leader, uh, a personality as a leader. You know, Honigstein was on a pod, um, now, I guess that's now almost a month ago, and he explained that to us quite well. And I think um, Heinkes is very good at nurturing and um, developing players on uh, character-wise because Goretzka uh, physically and playing-wise he's already there. He needs to he needs to sharpen his profile. He needs to sharpen his character, and Heinkes is just the perfect man to do that. And I I think um, the way Bayern play that dominant kind of football um, that the German national team also plays suits him would suit him perfectly um, to go there and play there. And uh, I think um, deep down Goretzka also knows this. Yeah, so he's in good hands by the looks of things, which is also going to benefit the uh, German national side in years to come. But guys, I think that more or less does it. I think we've managed to get through all the transfers. And as I said, we've had plenty to talk about, even though we've had uh, nothing on the field. No games until the 12th again. So we're getting closer. We're getting there. That first game back will be Bayer Leverkusen versus Bayern Munich, which I am eagerly waiting for. But, um, guys, uh, what have you got going on this week? Let, let, let's go to uh, Chris. Uh, b- before we pod again, uh, what have you got going on and would like to, uh, I don't know, point out to people? Um, well, um, obviously this uh, pod is going to attract, I think, quite a lot of Liverpool fans because it'll be about um, Leon Goretzka. You can find me, this is Anfield, doing live blogs the whole of January for Liverpool's fixtures. Um, but at the minute, Bryce, I'm looking at um, why English players in particular are getting a chance in Germany uh, that they're not really getting in England. And, and luckily enough, um, I'm speaking to a youth development coach over at Peterborough United and going to get his take on it with um, 
what potentially English clubs are missing out on um, when they're sending their youth players over to, to the Bundesliga. Very exciting. Where will we be able to hear this, Chris, when it, when it comes out? Um, well, it'll, it'll be written format voice. Um, Bryce, it won't be voice. And, uh, of course, you'll be able to get it at fushbustat.com. And that'll be um, tweeted out via myself, which is Chris78Williams, and also via um, at Football Grad Live. Lovely stuff. And, Manu, well, you're never that quiet. Uh, I barely remember. I think I remember once you took a day off. So what, what have you uh, got going on? What, what would you like to draw people's attention to? Yeah, actually, I took uh, last weekend off, Bryce. Uh, over New uh, Year. Two days. Wow. Yeah, two nice. days. Good, so, good work. I hope you're well rested. You've I am brightly today. I am very well rested. Thank you very much. And we have lots of things going on. Um, I did a piece on uh, the Brazilian Yo. You know, remember some may remember he was big striker, CSKA, failed at Manchester City. He's just signed in Japan, so kind of looking back at his uh, career, a little bit of a nostalgic piece. And then there's a piece on fußballstadt.com on Schalke and the future and the good things that Tedesco are doing there with bringing in the likes of Teuchert and um, Piazza, of course. And yeah, so that's that's all happening on uh, fußballstadt and footballgrad.com. And then, yeah, Golazzo podcast is coming back today, right, Bryce? So uh, that's pretty exciting. Yes, it is. We're going straight to that after this. Ah, and so that's went. why we came, went early. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We're, we're trying to shuffle both podcasts and... Yeah, it's, we're going to be on for another few hours. But Mexican football returns this weekend, so that that's something for us to look forward to. But as always, guys, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please head over to the likes of iTunes and give us some uh, positive feedback. If you want to get in touch on Twitter, we, we would appreciate it. You can ask any questions, or if you have any topics you'd like us to cover, we're all ears. Um, but yeah, we're going to have um, some football to talk about, hopefully, in the uh, next pods. Um, and you can find me uh, on Twitter at BryceDunn11. And yeah, until then, I'll be there Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied. Was mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht, komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.